are. Cabrini Green. Candyman country. Well, if you're after the hook man, Helen, you really must read the paper I wrote about him ten years ago. I mean, you do know the story, don't you? No. <laughs> Come along, everyone. Step right up. Hey, welcome to House of a Thousand Horrors podcast. Today we are doing one I'm very excited for, Candyman. Yeah. I got my co-host yeah, Riley dude. with me. Hey, guys. What's up? Dude, I've been... This is actually our first, like, I don't want to say good movie, but good in, like, the <laughs> accepted form of good. It's probably the biggest legacy-wise we've yeah. done so far, dude, so th- this shit's really exciting. I mean, it's funny looking it up, though, because, like, you see a lot of, like, references to it as, like a cult classic kind of horror movie. Yeah. What do you think about that? I'm like, I don't know. It's, quite, it's so much weirder, and I feel like I'm just so mentally fucking biased and shit because I'm so young, but, like, this movie feels a lot older than it really is because, like, 1992 really, really wasn't that far away, but, like, it feels, like, so <laughs> ironic or unironically enough, like, legendary to horror. You know what I mean? Like, it's really uninspired. Like, that's crazy i feel like yeah. the opposite way because really to me it looks kind of like a newer movie like it doesn't really feel that old to me but mm-hmm. like 92 to me feels like i mean that's when i was born so it's like wow this is almost a <laughs> yeah. 30 year old movie it's crazy it's crazy yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what like do you know when you first saw this movie i saw this movie pro i'll be real i remember my stepdad uh made me watch it and it fucked like the first time I watched it. I must have been like at a really, really young age, like single digits. I'd probably say like nine, maybe wow. eight. <laughs> Dude, that movie made me so fucking terrified of mirrors. Like I legit would not fucking look at a mirror when I was taking a shit. <laughs> I was that <laughs> fucking mortified, dude. It's effective in that way. Yeah, like, no, I dude. Think, it's, it's crazy. I think I was too scared of this movie. I remember my brother telling me about it too when I was young. And I think like mm-hmm. even when it would come on. And stuff like I was too scared to even watch it because like I knew like the oh the Candyman you see I think I thought it was like three times so like I've only seen bits and pieces of it until like probably the last few years of like and I've watched it probably a million times in those like last uh, I was saying <laughs> sometime within the last five to ten years. But yeah, like, no, dude, it's crazy how like the misconception of, like three and five is like really big. Like a lot of people thought it was three because like I'm pretty sure a lot of it came from Bloody Mary. You know oh, for I mean? sure. And that was a huge thing when I was a kid. Like, you know, that's like a playground yeah. classic right there. It's funny. I think I heard a Candyman first and then Bloody Mary. That's really Which is super fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> no, because when people... That was like a middle school thing for us, too. Or like, I'd probably even say... No, nah, I wouldn't say elementary. That's way too young now. No, definitely middle school. And like, people would bring it up. And I'm like, what the fuck are you saying Bloody Mary for? Like, you're not even fucking heard of Candyman, dude. That's and funny. Like, Cause I they remember were so confused. From <laughs> elementary school, that was a big thing. Oh, really? Okay, wow, dude. And I think that's really, like, why this movie works and why, like, for your generation, probably, since you're a little younger, it probably did start the legend all over again, but more for candy. Mm. Yeah. And it's I had my girlfriend watch it, like, last year during Halloween, and it was actually really interesting because I've made her watch a bunch of horror movies, ones that I thought were scary and stuff, and... She's never really said they were scary or anything, but she did specifically mm-hmm. by Candyman. She was like, that was a scary movie, and she said she even had a nightmare, which I found really interesting. I'm like, dang, still, almost 30 years later, like, it works. 
Yeah, because it's like it, it's not just like a really standardized like oh jump scare to like scary monster. It's more of like disturbing horror where like it just kind of fucks with you as like a lingering feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it just it like the creepiness of it all is just like the dread you feel and shit like that with Candyman, yeah. and I guess just how easily avoidable it is. But like when you know you're kind of in that fucking rut and you're knee deep in it, like you're fucked. Like right. there's no fucking way you're getting out of that. And that's what I really would have, I wish I would have asked her because I was thinking like, I just didn't think this would be the movie to actually do it because like, it, mm-hmm. you're right, there's almost no at jump scares at all. Like, it's not gory. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure the dog is the only jump scare, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure other than that, no, and maybe the like coming out of the a few of the cabinet was the only one I was thinking of, oh, which is so shit. effective. Yeah, yeah. True, true, I don't true. want to get too, well, let me just, um, yeah. at least we'll go into... Let's talk about production first, because I got a couple of interesting tidbits here. Well, I want to go into just the general overview. Oh, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Candyman, huh? Yes, have you heard of him? Mm Mm-hmm. You doing a study on him? Yes, I am. What have you heard? So just for the basic rundown, of course, the movie's Candyman. Mm -hmm. It was released October 16th, 1992, almost just over a month before I was born. (laughs) Damn, um, it's an hour and a half. A month before greatness. Yeah, seriously. Well, maybe that was a predictor, <laughs> like foreshadowing. Probably. Uh, just the general synopsis. Actually, wait. <laughs> oh, let me grab the VHS. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Okay, I'm going to grab the actual VHS. I can read it from the box. Oh, a shit. children's ghost story comes to terrifying life in this gut-wrenching thriller about a graduate student whose research into modern folklore summons the spirit of the dead. Helen Lyle, Virginia Madsen, laughs when she interviews college freshmen about their super superstitions. But when she hears about Candyman, a slave spirit with a hook hand, who is said to haunt Chicago's notorious Cabrini Green housing project, she thinks she has a new twist for this thesis. Braving the gang-ridden territory to visit the site of a brutal murder, Helen arrogantly assumes Candyman can't really exist until he appears, igniting a string of terrifying, tragic slayings. But the police don't believe in monsters, and they charge Helen with the grisly crimes, and only one person can set her free. Candyman. That's but- how it always fucking is. No one fucking believes shit until it fucking happens to them. That's true. Like, I thank God for horror movies, dude. And I guess in those <laughs> fucking universes, they just don't exist in horror movies, because, like, bro, I would never fuck with that shit. Even, like, Bloody Mary and stuff, dude. Net- fuck, no, I'm not testing that. Like, you can go ahead and try I'm not gonna try to end up on the fucking news. Like, well, you know what I mean? Just, like, kind of gave a spoiler. Like, but it is right. A in little sense. bit. It says it's a thriller, which it kind of is, and I feel like that after rewatches. I'm like, it really is kind of. It does have a thriller aspect. Not that I don't think it's mm-hmm. not horror, but it is interesting that um, it's just as, as effective as a thriller, like you're saying with the yeah, dread. And like the definitely, definitely watching this, being a lot older now. Um, I think I was just far more interested like in the story as opposed to being scared the whole time you know what i mean like i was just a lot more intrigued by like the way like tony todd played Candyman. you know what i mean like yeah, he wasn't a, like he was a, yeah like he's an equally as scary as fuck but also like re- a really different killer like a really strong character everything about this movie is different yeah That's why it's like oh yeah um, because we can, well, I'll go over the tagline is, uh, <laughs> we dare you to say his name five times, which I've seen Fuck on other that. VHS is the one <laughs> I have says, 
And I thought this was the funniest one. I'm like, what? That's one? And then I looked at mine. It's on the front of mine. From the chilling oh, imagination shit. of Clive Barker. <laughs> like, that's the whole time. Huh. Yeah. Really? Yeah, just basically like a Stephen King kind of trying to sell him the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is, you don't have to believe, just beware. And this one is kind of rough, but it's Candyman, 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 dot, dot, dot. Don't say again. Oh, my God. <laughs> dude. You you were kind of fucking walking on thin ice there, Jordan. What the <laughs> fuck, know, dude? Right? Uh, yo, hey, be careful, dude. Well, we're about to prove it tonight because we've probably already said it like 300 times. Yeah, I was always confused on that rule. Like, if you start on the fourth one and just kind of stop, is that always going to stick with you? Is there like a 20-minute cooldown? Uh, yeah, I am curious. Like, I don't know what's bro, the cooldown. I, <laughs> I want to I explore that lore, you know? Like, is he patient enough to wait? Yeah. Like, I'm wondering if it's like a an accumulative number. So, right. like, you five know, if we said it five life. times, like... That, that's how I think now. Even when I was a kid, I never even wanted to say his name because I kind of thought like that. I'm like, bro, I don't yeah. know his fucking rules. Like, I already like, said it four times in my life. One more time. <laughs> I got to go like 80 <laughs> more years. <laughs> I, I just got to go with acronyms. And that's another thing, dude. Does he take acronyms? Can you say CM? Oh. Like, or can what you about say MCCM, dude? Language? Oh. <laughs> See, yeah, now I don't know because if he doesn't understand, I don't think he fucks. Like, he doesn't fuck around. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of like, racism. That's not very... Uh, that can't be racist, dude. It's Tony Todd. So the budget of this saying? movie, I'm, I've seen a, a, uh, a little stretch of like anywhere from six to nine million. IMDb says six. I've seen articles say eight, nine million. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhere between six to nine million, which is not a lot. Um, and actually, surprisingly, this movie didn't really do that good. And I think that's why it's kind of thrown in that cult classic because yeah. it only did 25 million gross. And this really? was before worldwide, so there wasn't really any worldwide. Uh, it's just the whole yeah. amount was twenty five million. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't like a smash or anything. It wasn't like what we thought it was. Yeah, and, I mean, you know what? That's honestly another thing, and just how it always is. You know, like great fucking movies really don't get a lot of attract, like a lot of traction until like multiple years later. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the nineties was but, rough for horror. Like until yeah. Scream, like nothing was really making money. That's what brought that. Yeah, that's probably a shame. That's probably exactly why Candyman, because everybody probably just saw it from the front cover and was like, oh, just another fucking slasher. Like, they probably didn't know what they were getting into. Which is crazy, because I really wanted to find more, and I couldn't. I found out some really interesting um, interviews with the director, Bernard Rose, but Mm. I couldn't find specifically, like, him, like, really breaking it down. It might be on, there's a bunch of, like, making up documentaries, but. Oh, yeah. Part of his thing was that, like, he wanted it to be even more of, like, a, you know, a, th- a thriller and just, like, a different story. And, like, the slasher components, the studio put pressure on him to put in. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, it might wow. not have really been a horror at all. Mm. And I'm, I'm glad they did kind of put that pressure <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, because that, I mean, for those slasher bits in it, it definitely gave it that, like, scary factor, and, like, a lot of the, well, I mean, all of the practical effects in this shit really kind of elevated it oh, yeah. uh, to be horror, you know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, thrillers can have gore and shit like that, and a lot of blood, but, like, this, can they just, that, well, you know what, that's a good point, I, don't, I, I was just thinking of, like, Get Out, and that's such, like, a fucking Gen Z thing of me to say, because, like, there's that whole brain scene and shit like that. And, like, there was a lot of blood in Get Out. Not there a whole was. lot, not gore. But, like, just kind of, like, eerie shit, creepy shit. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess not. You're probably right on that. But, no, definitely the the visuals of this fucking film. 
Definitely, yeah. I feel like like the bees and stuff like that. Throughout the movie, it has just such a different like. It, all, it sounds like really basic to say, but it just has such a different like vibe the entire movie. Oh yeah, and like, like the tone is it. way different, tone, especially yeah. '90s horror. Yeah, and like, that's why it feels like pretty modern to me. Like it. Lasts. Oh yeah. Uh, just some more. I know we're gonna get into a lot of this stuff, but just so you have the basic stuff. It was filmed mm-hmm. in Cabrini Green public housing projects near the north side of Chicago, Illinois, and also at the University of Illinois in Chicago. Um, actors, we got Virginia Madsen as Helen Lyle. She was like the big name. Um, or protag. Yeah, but she was also like <laughs> the big actual name of the, movie, the whole the, movie. The itself. only actor actress that was like had some well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Xander Berkeley as her That's husband, so, Trevor Lyle. So weird to think. What? Just just, just because of Tony Todd in general. Like yeah. the, I mean, knowing how this movie really built his legacy, it's crazy how he wasn't the star actor. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, he killed it. Oh, um, yeah. Obviously, like you said, Tony Todd as Candyman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Casey Lemons as Bernadette Walsh. And Vanessa Williams as Anne-Marie McCoy. And another great one, Dewan Guy as Jake. The whole kid. <laughs> Uh, director is Bernard Rose, and the writer is Clyde Barker because it was based mm-hmm. off of a short story he wrote called The Forbidden. Yeah, The Forbidden. I really wanted to read yeah. it. It's from uh, Volume 5 of Books of Blood. I couldn't fit it in in time. Um, oh, yeah, but... And these have been on my wish list forever to go through the Books of Blood, but I, I want to really? just go through all of them. Yes, because I love every like Clyde Barker adaptation movie. Is it... And I'm just kind of saying this as like an outside kind of view... Is it true that most horror books are super fucking long, or am I only thinking of Stephen King with well, like really, really long horror novels? Clyde Bar- I mean, this story, this one's based off is only all the books of blood. They're only mm-hmm. they're short stories. That one's fifty. They're pages. short, so it's like a collection, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah, like anthology. Oh, okay, yeah. That that's what I was thinking a little bit too. Just uh, thinking about it because there's so many like horror books too that are so big, and I think what works is that. Short, like, horror, like, stories are really good when they're short and sweet. You know what I mean? So having, like, an anthology like that is really smart. But you said it was his only anthology? Like, his only book? Or No, no, there's a bunch of them. Oh, okay, okay. I was this one's say, from this... Volume 5, and there's, mm. like, four or five stories just in that one. Uh, Books of Blood. And they've made, there's a Hulu show called Books of Blood from recently. They have other. Oh, shit, okay. They've made other movies based off of his short stories from Books mm-hmm. of Blood, like Dread, Rawhead Rex. So... You know, they've all, they've seen a lot, kind of like Stephen King, um, mm-hmm. like even how his short stories get adapted, Clyde Barker's do too, and his are just so unique. Oh, yeah. Um, the producers, I don't really know who they are, but they're Steve Golan, Sigurjan Sigvatsen, and Alan Powell, who's got some uh, definite quotes later on for uh, Candyman. And then mm-hmm. an amazing part of this, which is like, I think really makes the movie and I don't always fill out the composer section, but Philip Glass, dude. Ooh, yeah. A plus Fucking plus killed plus. It. Amazing. That's what drew me into this movie. And I'm not like the super music guy where I always notice it and everything, but this one is like impossible to to like not notice. Like it hooks you oh, in. Oh, yeah. I told you when you said it the other day, I'm like, dude, the second you said came in, the song is just running in my head like do 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 Like the whole <laughs> the, the scene. It's crazy. It's amazing. Well, you, you know who we have to thank for that, dude. Who? You got to thank Killer Clowns for having that kick-ass opening song. 
<laughs> you know, I feel I feel like they started the trend, you know, with horror movies with really fucking amazing soundtracks and shit. Uh, how dare you? John Carpenter would like a word with you. Oh, I mean, f- well, no, no, no. I, I can't fuck with John Carpenter <laughs> then because I fucking love that dude. But I, I'm just going to say, you know, on the record, hypothetically speaking, of course, you know. Well, Killer, Killer Clowns, Clowns is right silly. There. The best ones that work for me are obviously silent, don't have words, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, but yeah, let's like unless we have anything basic to cover in this, we I just you know I'm sure we both just want to get into the actual movie itself. There's so oh much, fuck yeah fuck yeah you know. <laughs> I hear you looking for Candyman, bitch. Well, you found him. <laughs> This is one where I just kind of have to go through. Because one thing with this movie, I mean, there's no fluff in it. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, straight to the point. It just It's hits. only like an hour and 29 minutes I think it's or an, an hour, hour and 38. 39. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, it's an hour and a half, hour and 40. Mm-hmm. But it just hits. There's no fluff in it, which sometimes horror movies you can check in, check out. Like, you'll miss something if you're not paying attention. This whole just goes from the from the get-go from the opening scene um it's just a hitter all the way through um right out of the gates too that opening scene is like the opening credits themselves i'm like okay i'm i'm in it i'm in this movie you know the the flyover yeah 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 all those like aerial shots yeah you're like okay this isn't like some corny 90s campy movie yeah we're not gonna get like just random like city shots and stuff like that you know yeah nothing like really basic pans no i mean and it was funny too uh you can really tell that in the new Candyman, it definitely felt the new Candyman had like felt inspired to do like not similar shots like that but you know what i mean like have those like cityscapes and stuff Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, just like the the credit sequence, so nice, like just visually so appealing. Yeah, you and know, the text, you, it's the almost like you don't know text. what you're gonna get into. It's yeah. like already iconic when I show that. Like, mm-hmm. wow, I'm super into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell, dude. Um, and you also got the music too that opens up the Philip Philip Glass music. It's just oh, so yeah. haunting, well, I mean, catchy. And you we'll see this theme over and over again. Was like it's very um. Mm-hmm. Bernard Glass was going for like a very gothic movie. Yeah. And the you know, score you can definitely tell it matches perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we open with the quote from Candyman, who we don't see, but he starts talking about how, you know, he's gonna shed innocent blood, but what's mm-hmm. blood what? for if not yeah, shed? Yeah, what is blood for and for not to shed? Yeah. Did they just get lucky that I wonder if part of the casting was Tony Todd? Obviously, he's amazing. He's like an actually classically trained actor. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, you know, like for like theater, yeah, theater and stuff actor. like that. Yeah, like but Dude. his voice though, so good. Was well, that a stroke of luck? The silliest fucking thing, dude, is that originally they fucking had Eddie Murphy planned to play Candyman in this, and I I don't know why. I just cannot imagine. Well, like, I saw Eddie Murphy things- taking it. Seriously. Mentioning his height because he's only five nine. Tony Todd's like at least six, six three. He's six, six three. three. But it's not the height. The the main thing, like I saw from the director himself, they couldn't was, afford him. Yeah, it was the money. Yeah, because I mean but he I was mean, at the dude. top of his game then. Well, yeah, back then, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh, I was. I mean, like he mostly it. did like silly, goofy movies, you know. And I, I guess a change in direction from your acting career is one thing, and like he probably could have done it honestly. 
but like, dude, no, just Tony Todd. Well, really? just I, the six to nine million. I mean, he would have probably cost like at least twenty million alone. So, oh, I'm just saying, if they got him on the film, if he was willing to do it, you know, without the pay that he deserved, I would not have liked. I seriously think we would be really? t- we wouldn't even mention this movie. We would do it as probably a campy. <laughs> movie <laughs> imagine with the score everything's so perfect and then you have eddie murphy nothing against eddie murphy love him mm. but just not a scene no way man yeah i yeah i don't i don't know i mean but i mean clearly clearly they had like a reason for it you know what i mean like they weren't just trying to get the big name yeah well, they were for sure i mean really? eddie murphy you're instantly like you made your money back <laughs> yeah that's a oh, studio okay thing. i mean i just thought bernard rose i mean he probably knew what he was doing but thank God he fucking didn't apparently, and then got Tony Todd because like again, it, we we just couldn't fucking spill it out anymore. Obviously that he's like the perfect fucking role for Candyman. Seriously. Like, oh yeah, dude. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that too when we do the new movie. <laughs> oh, oh that. <sighs> got a few words on that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> got a few. Got a few hot takes. So like right out the gates, we hear that quote. We get like the B scene. You know they're flying around we hit we don't see candy man but he has this this um quote and he says i'll split you from groin to i think it was groin to gullet yeah groin to gullet yeah and then that's when we start going into this like which i love all this um what's it called like the urban legend about uh, we start hearing like the interview of virginia madsen who's helen the main protagonist Mm -hmm. um we hear this girl telling the story about uh, this girl Claire that was babysitting for the Johnsons, and this guy Billy pulls up, uh, but she's dating Mike. But Mike's too nice, and Billy's mm-hmm. a bad boy. And they're getting like they have all these specific references. It reminds me so much of all the legends, like urban legends I used to hear, like growing up. Like someone would tell it to you, and they'd have all these super specific references. Like, yeah, she was dating Mike, but he's <laughs> the bad boy. Like, even though it's an urban legend, they're like putting it in perspective like yeah this is legit someone i know and then Mm-mm. you know and then they're they're going like he says candy man four times in the mirror and she's she like, says it for a fifth time you know he bitches out but he's the smart fucking dude yeah and he's the smart guy in this situation but, but he I mean, went crazy after she got killed by <laughs> candy man and the the hook spilled her and then they just throw in and then killed the baby too yeah, do you think he actually was killed or they're just trying to get clout for that like as a story I don't think any of this happened I think this is part of like the genius oh. of all these urban legends uh, okay uh, really so okay. people are hearing the story and that's how urban legends work they just because mm. we find out once they talk to someone else the maids after like this one actually did happen this murder happened but uh, I'm sure it just through the grapevine through the years this story got twisted and it came to like some suburban white neighborhood is where it happened, and there's this whole mm. babysitting story, and they killed the baby too, and Billy went crazy, and um, the uh, main girl Helen, I keep wanting yeah. to call her Virginia. It's kind of weird. It's almost like fake it till you make it, making up a story that you know is real, but because that's well, the thing. That's why I kind of thought it was real. I don't think What's she's, that? like, consciously making it up on the spot. I think this is just something that, like, that's how urban legends work. You know, they just get, keep getting told. Yeah, them. like word of mouth. Yeah, and she's like, oh, it was her roommate's boyfriend who knew who mm. knew Billy. Like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's always like I, that. <laughs> I don't okay. know if you're past the point of 
age of hearing urban legends like that, but that's how I always used to hear them. So that's why I think it's so funny. Oh yeah. No, dude. I mean, urban legends for me, most of it, uh, came in the form of like creepy pastas, like really new age, like kind of gross washed out garbage kind of stuff. Well, it's but, easy to do on the internet too because they can throw in oh, a bunch yeah. of specific things. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, oh, when you see it on the internet and these people claim to be real, and then you got like a whole band of people like kind of going in on the bit, that's when you can kind of trick like young kids and shit like that, like me, where it's like, oh fuck, dude, Slenderman's real. Don't go in the forest. Don't don't right. pick up pages, dude. I did not touch paper for a fucking year after Slenderman, dude. I did not oh, want to fuck with that, it? dude. Yeah, but, like, that's kind of, weirdly enough, that's, like, urban legends for, like, my generation, you it know is, what I mean, yeah. which is, like, creepypastas, like, online stuff that would spread, like, wildfire. I want to say that, you know, um, the internet killed urban legends, but just because of that Slender Man right there, I guess it didn't. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, because urban legends were only really meant for word of mouth, you know what I mean? Because, like, when you hear it from people face-to-face, like, you kind of sort of believe, it's a lot more believable. Yeah, you know, because you weren't grown up, you weren't like growing up in an environment where it's like, you know, oh, don't believe everything you read on the internet. That's like the first thing that like parents and like guidance, like leader or guidance counselors will tell you. You know what? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when browsing the internet, not everything's true because so many people have access to it. But when you hear like a friend, like a close friend, or even like a cousin, it, it could be something or someone you don't even know, but they just say something like, you know, Bloody Mary. Like, you want to try this really scary, like, uh. What, like a challenge? Would you call it like a challenge back then? Like, oh, do you want to like summon Bloody Mary? Like, uh, like when you had a house party like by yourself saying, it's and just parents like a, home? Uh, word of mouth. Yeah, challenge. It could be. Yeah. Like a that. dare, sort of. But this one mixes in the uh, part of like, because uh, the other famous one was like the one with the guy with the hook hand, you know, which Candyman kind of incorporates. Uh, and But it's always mm-hmm. the specific references. So word of mouth is more believable. But also if you start saying near Moses Lake in Indiana um, and you start throwing in last names. Cindy, yeah, Cindy really specific shit that people are like. And she was dating uh, Mike, but Billy was a bad boy, so she wanted him to come over. And, you know, mm. it's my roommate's boyfriend. You start throwing in all these other specifics, and that's how it just starts to twist. No, I got you. Yeah, you get so specific, it's not really questionable. You right. know what I mean? Like, all these useless details. Okay, yeah. Until no, that, you hear that makes someone a lot else, more sense. and they have other details about someone else, and then you're like, wait. And then eventually it just becomes mm-hmm. like, uh, it's still a thing that persists. And there's a lot of those, like even the ones I've talked to you about, like the Marilyn Manson took out his ribs so he could give himself a yeah. up, stuff like that. Like weird urban legends that just keep mm-hmm. going. Eventually, because we've heard it so many times, or because the internet, you know, it's not true, but they always yeah. persisted. Yeah, well, whenever in person, just it's an innate thing, like an innate instinct to just kind of believe them the further they go with the bit, you know, because you could start off with something so unbelievable and then they just fucking throw in a last name, and you're like, oh, shit, this is real, dude. John <laughs> yeah. Smith? Oh, okay, dude. Like, now nah, this is actually serious. All right. They bring up another one, too, right out the gates when we meet the uh, husband, um, Helen's husband. Why am I blanking on his name? Ooh. Trevor. Yeah. Um, we meet him, and he's talking about urban legends, too. He's talking about the, the alligator, the pet alligators that people would have, and they would release them down in the sewers, and they would, like, grow into weird abomination like they grow like albino and they live down there teenage mutant alligators dude exactly and i oh, have heard fuck. that one too back in the day so it's just funny <laughs> really oh yeah i don't oh, know if shit. i heard it because okay. of Candyman, and that's where kids heard it but yeah mm. yeah i've heard all variations of these that's why i love it too yeah i mean do you think Candyman really ins- like 
tried reviving urban legends or do you think they just really utilized a time where urban legends were super popular like yeah generationally like no one had really used that as material for horror movies and then Mm -hmm. urban legend later like years later did the whole movie about it yeah i mean do you think horror movies spawned urban legends you know what i mean like inspired people to like lie and make up fictional characters just based off a movie that they saw um or do you think it was kind of like urban legends were more of a like a folk tale beginning you know what i mean like it would start off like because i mean i'm kind of going more specifically with the whole candy man like backstory not to get too into it because um i think a lot of horror movies drew off of like I feel like I always bring up Halloween, but it's like such uh, <laughs> yeah, go integral ahead. piece of horror. But that you know, I feel like that's kind of drawing off of an urban legend in a sense, like mm-hmm. the guy who like you know comes back that already killed his, you know escaped out of the mental patient. Like that is like an urban legend in a sense. And even the movies they say like everyone's got a you know Michael Myers. Every town has that. So mm. like, every, every town has that boogeyman. Yeah. So they all kind of go yeah. together in a weird way. Like mm. horror movies draw inspiration from urban legends. Urban legends probably draw inspiration from movies, but yeah. I don't. I don't know if urban legends yeah. are really happening Pro- like that anymore. Yeah, it pro- probably goes both ways. Oh, today, yeah, definitely not anymore, man. I mean, again, it, it's basically urban legends have been replaced with creepy pasta, and that's super shitty. Because I mean, yeah, thematically, it's the same thing, but I think just purely because it's off the internet, you know, you really can't get people anymore. You can't create like this like legacy of legend you know what i mean yeah i mean you even have the ones well there was a tiny part in the internet beginnings that i remember from like the aol days but Mm because you have the references in this movie to the razor blades and the candy which i definitely remember as a kid you know (laughs) and they bring that up in in this movie like it's part of it Mm. Uh, but i do remember like my grandma used to get email chains like on aol of people sending it's like literally like the subreddit forwards from grandma were like, she would be like, you know, they're putting syringe needles in the gas cans and they would like show putting a picture. Putting methamphetamine of, in your Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. You know, like Tootsie Rolls are filled they, So they would throw in specifics mm-hmm. and they would throw in, and this was before like the internet now, I feel like they'll fact yeah. check your ass so quick. A way more primitive time where like, <laughs> yeah. it was basically like word of mouth through technology. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, I definitely see that. But, it's just it's crazy to think too because i mean probably before 1992 there was a couple of stories definitely written based off of urban legend i mean i mean obviously very specifically the forbidden was the basis and the like the full inspiration of Candyman on how it was strangely british it was like the british class system mixed in with the not reanimation but i guess the reincarnation of urban legends coming to life and that was like the whole central plot of the forbidden and that's one thing i mean he definitely bernard rose did his own thing with a lot of oh yeah no he changed a lot but the one thing and he did a lot of good changes but the one thing that was persistent that i think is really from clive barker was the whole urban legend angle yeah like quite literally creating you know a legacy creating the boogeyman sort yeah, of deal, and where like, like the fear around you're, mani- you're manifesting this into real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is credit. I mean, that really is the probably the crux of the movie. So that really is Clyde Barker. Oh yeah. Um, I think little pieces of this, like how we were talking about, if the composer wasn't the same, or if it, it was Eddie Murphy 
or if uh, yeah, it's like like Bernard Rose didn't make those changes, like a little if he didn't actually probably handle this and have the balls to do that, these little pieces probably would have made this movie go just right on by straight to the gutter. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's crazy how even one detail, you know, one like pardon me, either basic or just like fundamental piece if it were to be removed it's like open heart surgery dude like you could fuck up super easily with something like this but like he fucking nailed it like right out of the park yeah because like so the writing was good that he's drawing off of but i don't think it's so amazing that it would have carried the movie like, oh yeah had to like, have all these performance alone i feel like definitely the actors and just the the overall like theme because i feel like an important part too is just like um Oh no! Now, now I'm drawing a blank on Helen's uh, the the actress's name that played Helen. Virginia Madsen. Yeah, Virginia Madsen. Uh, I feel like both the chemistry they had, her and Tony Todd, was super super compelling. I mean, we'll get oh, later yeah. into that. We'll, let's continue back to where we started. But I feel like that performance wise was like incredible because it was strangely enough like. Like a tragedy romance sort of thing, you know what I mean? Like, oh, and that the, was the charisma my that he brought. My impression yeah. of the movie was that it was a romance. My first time watching, I was like, "Wow, that's why." Like, if you know, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves, but like because it has mm-hmm. the horror kind of slasher angle. But like as a movie, I think it holds up. Like, it's an amazing movie because of that. Yeah, like the writing was there, uh, but I just again the performance amazing of Virginia and Tony really made it so much more compelling than it would have been if anyone else were to take the roles like Eddie Murphy or I forgot the original actress that actually was going to take uh Virginia Madison's oh, place. Oh yeah, I got that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't but uh, I have a problem with any actor or actress in this movie. I think they all killed Oh it. yeah, no dude, all of them are fucking good. No even the <laughs> even the gangsters they actually casted. Oh uh, yeah, for later back in. Well, yeah. I'm gonna go back to the the scene. So yeah, got, absolutely. That's when we meet the Mr. Cool Guy teacher, Trevor. Um, oh, dude, he's like <laughs> it, he's like totally the teacher. That's like, well, first of all, he shouldn't have been talking about urban legends because like she was like doing a thesis on it. But that's a whole other thing. But she, you <laughs> see, like right out the gates, he's got like a flock of students after, and I definitely knew these like kind of teachers and professors. And there's like yeah. one girl specifically that stands out that like shakes. Helen's hand after class and like she knows like from the get-go like something weird's going on here yeah <laughs> she's like oh what's going on with this dude it's like huh what the fuck like he's got way too much clout for 1992 <laughs> and what that, is that about and like uh <laughs> something there's something specific about this this student um so the then we go to she's back to listening to like different tapes of the people she recorded for the study mm. and the maid hears one of the people referencing Candyman and said she's heard about him at, over at Cabrini Green and everyone is af- afraid of him at night. So she calls over her maid friend who then tells a story about the Candyman that we actually come to find out later on is, well, it is a true story in multiple yeah. respects. Yeah, the Ruthie Jean story. Uh, basically killed in the bathtub by a hook. And... That's true. They heard about it in the paper. So she finds the actual newspaper about Ruthie Jean getting killed. And uh, then we find out that, like, she finds out her building is part of Cabrini Green. Did you? That's one thing I have trouble with. Like, really? Like, was like, it just a part of it? Like, how close is she to Cabrini Green? 
I oh I didn't real I didn't even actually I'll be real I did not know that it was a part of Cabrini Green. Um, well, because she was saying, she was saying like she shows two types of paper. She shows a Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. right? Or she shows a building, and then she says, "What do, do you notice the difference?" And she says, "That's Cabrini Green, or that's uh, that's the building we're in." You know what I'm talking huh. about? A little bit. This is uh, sorry. I'm drawing a blank right now on the scene. Oh, okay. what is this she's like? Showing, right like, two after different newspapers. This is like oh, when she's combining the two. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Now, now I'm getting what you're putting down. Yeah. So yeah, you just you were confused on like the correlation between like if it was the same building or something or yeah, like was it like Cabrini Green is just a massive like multiple buildings and one of those buildings was taken down and they built her building. I think it's like Lincoln one? Avenue or something. They built hers on top of it because she's in like nice condo. I condos. think so. Well, yeah, because I, I think it was kind of portraying because of Cabrini, Cabrini Green being like kind of a little bit of the ghetto in Chicago. So, But what was the significance it, of the newspapers? Um, I don't. <laughs> shit. Yeah, I don't I don't know, dude, because I think maybe it was just like a recreation. I'm not dude. Shit. I, I got to go back to the movie and actually look at that. Because they uh, are really fuck, close yeah. to it, but I'm just wondering because mm-hmm. that's when Bernadette breaks down. Her friend, who's doing the the study with her, breaks down that like, oh, normally they try to you know separate the ghetto and then the nice areas since she's in these expensive condos. Um, yeah. Oh no, she's oh. I, the paper I wrote down is Lincoln Village. The nice condo she's living in was built as a housing project, and the city realized there wasn't a barrier between them and Cabrini Green. And Cabrini Green, so they reference how the highway and the L train cut off the ghetto, and another place in mm. Chicago. Um, she says she made they made some minor alterations, like covering the cinder block with plaster on their building, and sold the lot off as condos. And like she even references like, oh, how much did you pay for this condo? She's like a lot. So we do start getting some commentary of like, okay, the class yeah. differences. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I see what's going on now. Yeah, like class segregation almost. Yeah, because she's right like, there. She's in super mm-hmm. nice condos and then right yeah. across the way. Which Literally like a couple blocks down. Yeah. And there's okay, so much yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense now because I, I was drawing like a really bad blank for a minute. You were bringing that up. I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, now, now I'm starting to understand, yeah. Because I think that's where... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I know you did research on Cabrini Green stuff. So actually some of those mm-hmm. things... If you want to mix them into this part, the scene, so like the third segment isn't too crazy long. My bad for for telling you, oh, we'll cover that. You can totally mix it. Yeah, in no, want. no, you're all good. Um, I mean, <laughs> you all right, dude? Yeah, no, dude, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I, I was just, yeah, no, like dead ass. You just fried my fucking brain about that. Um, dude, I'm dropping. No, I think. No, because I had something I was about to say, and then you're like, "Yeah, no, just start yeah, reading no, out like some that. of your notes." And then I'm like, "Dude, what the fuck?" Well, like, about I'm, the I'm class, looking at my notes like, and nothing differences. Yeah, well, because I know with Cabrini Green, and and honestly, just kind of in general, with a lot of like ghetto areas. I mean, especially back in that time, like in the '90s, there was a lot of like racial, racially charged like cases and shit like that, and segregation. And I think. That scene that you were just talking about, I think, was kind of implementing the commentary that um, Bernard wanted to go through with this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. it in this movie. Like, it definitely has multiple messages, and that's one. Now, there's also other stuff I found. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and I don't necessarily agree with it. There's a lot of people, even when uh, the movie came out, you know, that have problems with it. But oh, some yeah. of it's a stretch, you know, and some of it I, I mm-hmm. could see like, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I wouldn't say like, oh, this hasn't aged well, but um, I know even when the movie came out, there was like people that were, you know, had issues with it. There. Stereotyping and stuff like that. Yeah, some and like characters. some of yeah. it, I'm like... Uh, you're look, I, I get some of it, like um, how well this part I don't get, but if they're like, oh, Tony Todd, he's the boogeyman, he's six foot five, he's hulking, bloodthirsty, and black, like that kind of stuff. Oh. Like they try to make like the King Kong reference because he's a big black man and she's this little white girl, like all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and how black I, men are obsessed with white women, all this different stuff that I'm like, that's yeah, a lot. I know, I know I'm picking up, you're putting down a lot of like criticism people, a lot of criticisms people were talking about when this movie came out, just like the comparisons and shit and like how it just seemed really kind of like comparative to like a lot of stereotypes and shit. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I can see what people are talking about, dude, but I, I definitely don't see that at all, like, I the do. intention, you know what I mean? Like, those hot takes and shit. Yeah, I do. Here's a quote from Madsen. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh, shit. What's what wrong the with the candy man craving a white woman? That's not a stereotype. That's real. <laughs> <laughs> but she does I mean, say something funny, too, though. She says, you know, the people who are most worried about this movie being racist are white. I find that amusing. To me, this is oh, a love dude, story with the Black Phantom. The Phantom is never allowed to be a black man. Yeah. But she yeah, said she was worried I, I, it's about It's just so it. fucking silly, too. Because, I, I mean, again, I feel like, if anything, the way how this movie handled the, like, relationship between... Or, like, I guess the, the connection between Candyman and Helen, like, was super impactful as it was. You know what I mean? And, like, I feel like people are just looking at that shit like a surface level. Like, oh, of course, it's just a young white chick and, yeah. like, a six foot three black dude. It's hard. And it's like, kind of conflicting for me because, like... Really? I like... Well, no, the part of... Not the movie itself, mm-hmm. but, like, I like yeah. breaking down movies and getting behind the reasoning. I usually, mm-hmm. unless it's, like, what I think is trying to be conveyed. Like, I didn't think an actual race thing in that regard was trying to be conveyed to me, so I didn't pick oh, yeah. up on it. But mm-hmm. I know other people like to pick it apart in different types of ways. So yeah. it's almost like a different style of like what you're looking for in the movie. Yeah, a different style of like criticism. Now I or definitely just think analysis. There's like racial comments being made and stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what the, I picked up what the director himself was trying to convey. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I mean, I definitely, and it's funny how this movie can be looked at in like a handful of different ways. You know what I mean? Uh, one of them just being like the commentary during that time of like just racially charged um like conflicts and stuff and i feel like it was really smart of bernard rose to kind of choose chicago and choose cabrini green to really kind of like orchestrate like his message behind just what he wanted to get across and like i think that the overall I don't know whether to call it really a tragedy or more so just... I guess I'll just call it the story between Helen and Candyman. Uh, like, the writing was there, like, alone. So, I don't think he was trying to do anything. Like, he wasn't trying to comment or, like... What's the word I'm trying to use here? I'm kind of drawing a blank on the word I want to use. But basically, he wasn't trying to send a message with that alone, like Helen and Candyman. But I feel like more so the backdrop and the themes that Candyman brought up... Yeah. 
uh, in its story. You know, it, it was surrounded by themes and commentary, not so much the actual story between those two characters. Yeah, I and, definitely and agree I mean, with that. Yeah, and like the lore of Candyman is it's just so it's so good. And honestly, <laughs> for a lack of better words, yeah, I, no, it's. I think that was a ballsy move of him to do that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely being a white because character. like. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he was definitely playing with fire, um, yeah. but, you know, he definitely made good calls. Because um, he just done it in England. I don't think the studio, actually, they did say they weren't interested in that initially, but neither mm-hmm. was he. He was already interested oh, yeah. in Chicago, like, he mm-hmm. had been there, so he had all this... Uh, yeah, because he saw a lot of, like, the conflict and shit, and just, like, the tension yeah. in that neighborhood, and like he was like genuinely inspired to just completely kind of retcon the original production plan, and he wanted to focus in Chicago. I did have a uh, part about like he said uh, like when there's some controversy and and that the film was depicting racism, racial stereotypes. Uh, Bernard Rose did say I had to go and have a whole set of meetings with the NAACP because the producers were so worried. And what they said <sighs> to me when mm-hmm. they read the script was, "Why are we even having this meeting? You know, this is just good fun." Their argument was, why shouldn't a black actor be a ghost? Why shouldn't a black actor play Freddy Krueger or Hannibal Lecter? If you're saying that they mm-hmm. can't be, it's really perverse. This is a horror movie. And I feel the exact same way about that. Like, Oh, dude, absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I still think this is like the only horror movie that's like an actual big budget studio horror movie where there's a black like villain or black killer. Yeah, and like it, it's not racist to have like a black antagonist. You know what I mean? Like, and he's kind of calling... Almost, he's the protagonist, and he's like very complex. He's not even the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. You start no, like, and, and, and like that's the him. thing. I mean, just because you have a fucking dude that just so happens to be black killing people on screen that just so happen to be white, I mean, like that's not sending a message like calling out all those people of color and shit. It, it's just, it's literally, you know, show like showcasing just the opportunity and like the equal rights to be a villain like, yeah just because you're then, a villain doesn't mean that like you're the antithesis of fucking evil you of know course I mean? one of the other complaints was yeah. oh it's only showing that the blacks attack their own or something was one of the quotes oh. from that i had i found an article on the chicago <laughs> yeah. tribune from 1992 when it came out and that was another thing mm-hmm. like oh they're only go attack themselves i'm like okay well Dude, and i think hollywood is so afraid to have a black villain it's crazy yeah, no, I yeah, I find it so much weirder that, you know, people are afraid to cast roles, uh, you know, with people with different ethnicity, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like it's just a thing that really, well, it doesn't need to be brought up. I mean, killer. if people want to be in those roles, well, yeah, like, killer alone, definitely, like, I guess surface level, like, reaction, people being like, oh, like, it's a black dude that's killing people, what the fuck, dude? fuck is this like a a latino american killing people fuck that dude well it's like it's not like he didn't mention race the whole crux of it yeah. was Candyman was killed yeah. because of racism so yeah, exactly. it's not like he's like, tiptoeing around it it's part of the movie mm-hmm. you're just picking yeah. the wrong things like it already has a message about it, race it's, and it's it, almost like you're picking the lowest hanging fruit and just kind of pulling like grasping at straws to complain about you know what i mean it reminds me of stephen king because like there's that famous like um scene i guess in the book it where like the kids <laughs> after they oh. beat uh pennywise and they're still like you know 10 to 13 or whatever they uh mm-hmm. have like a little like basically they all bang <laughs> yeah but no, it's I... not it's i mean that's stevie king but uh he yeah he had this no, quote what... where he was like yeah i mean 
Uh, I probably wouldn't have written it now, but he's also like, yeah, there's also like a bunch of child murders in there, but nobody's talking about that. They just keep bringing up this one part of the book. And it's just like this, like, hey, there's a bunch of grisly murders here, but no one cares yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's it's so weird because I definitely feel like society standards, uh, or, or I guess just, I think we were so desensitized of killing from media and other movies and shit that like going in that direction of like, you know, sex with minors and shit, it was definitely kind of like an eye opener because it's like, whoa, like what the fuck? Like, you know, no one's really ever done that before. And granted, he was like coked up and shit when writing it. But right. well, I was just saying, you know, it, it was like, a, yeah, no, but people pulling at that when there's literally child death. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's, a, but it's, it's the exact same sentiment. But yeah. We don't have to harp too much on the race, but it is a part. Of oh, yeah. It. We could talk about it from the movie perspective, but I feel like we at least mm-hmm. had to address that. That is a thing. And I'm glad Jordan Peele, when I heard he was handling the new Candyman, I was like, okay, good, because mm-hmm. obviously he'll have his own perspective actually being black. He, but uh, he's, a, he's a good-ass writer, too, so he's going to handle it with care. There's a, no way a director like <laughs> Bernard Rose could direct this nowadays, though. I mean, can you imagine Twitter would lose their mind? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I mean... It's a it's a double edged sword, dude. I mean, strangely enough, we're like in a time when there's a lot more acceptance, but it's like how do I want to put this? It's like very. Ooh, I'm trying That's to tiptoe around some pretty good words, like selective acceptance. You know what I mean? And I feel like creativity. It's not like handicapped by any means, but definitely I feel like if someone were to go out of the social comfort zone, that you're going to get a lot of backlash than you are going to get praise. Well, that's why I I love horror movies, because normally you can get around this kind of stuff, you know? A little, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, racist horror movies, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of the sensitivity, um, like, you can get away with it because you're like, yeah. Like, hey, there's murders going on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, bro, chill out. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck if, like, the second guy in this movie was black and he died. It's just the horror movie. Right. You know, it's <laughs> it, it wasn't handpicked. Like, I'm not trying to send a message to a certain type of people. Right. Well, off of that, now that we talked yeah, about Yeah, getting off of that. The ability. Sorry I took us down that road, but <laughs> worth mentioning. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to cut out some of that stuff, <laughs> No. Dude. Yeah, you're saying some massive fucking, you know, hard R shit, Jordan. That was no. crazy, man. Wait. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> now they're going to think I edited it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know, dude. You're a pretty good editor, dude. <laughs> well, okay, so now that they know the building that she lives in was yeah. this project housing, that's how she knows and shows Bernadette that um, the medicine cabinet leading into her apartment like is basically a door that you can get through and mm-hmm. um, go, leads into the next apartment. And she shows her in the vacant apartment. And that that's how those killers who killed Ruthie Jean from the newspaper article got in and killed uh, her was through the medicine cabinet, which is also an amazing, mm-hmm. like, uh, not trope, like it's an amazing... It's something that hasn't been done in horror movies out there. Like, through the medicine cabinet, that's genius. That's going to definitely make kids have nightmares. You know, that was a, that was an awesome uh, thing to include. Just that, like, because a lot of horror movies are doing the same things that you know to be aware of. And, like, this throws a whole new wrench in the system that uh, Candyman could come through your medicine cabinet. I'm glad I didn't see this when I was under 10 years old because that would have 
probably broke me. <laughs> I would never oh. look in the medicine cabinet. Dude, no, like, that's exactly why I did not fucking go to the restroom for, like, a fucking year, dude. I was just pissing and shitting outside because I did not want to look into a fucking mirror. It's such and a clever thing to include. Yeah, dude. And, like, something about, like, having that vulnerability and, like, a br- like in a restroom and shit where, like, you think that you're safe and, like, tropy, like, tropy enough as it is, like, you know, you lock yourself in a bathroom and the killer's going to be outside. Like, they're not going to fucking get you in there. You know, like, you're expecting them to come through the front door, but through the fucking medicine cabinet, like, through the mirror and shit, like, fuck that, dude. What also is super clever that I haven't seen done is, like, every horror movie usually does the house route or, like, a rural house. So, like, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I just won't stay in cabins in the woods. It's not that scary. But this does the condo apartment situation, which I've always lived in an apartment after moving out. So it's just funny, like... You know, you can watch every horror movie, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's if I lived in a rural house. Like, I'm not, yeah, dude, I'm not going to fucking live in, like, a mansion in the middle of the fucking woods for no goddamn reason. Like, right. Oh, you know, I got, like, $34 million in the bank. Like, why the fuck would I ever want to move out just, like, some rural, like, unpopulated forest? Yeah, like, you know? of course. Like, in the middle of nowhere, no one but can But that adds, screen. like, a, that adds a layer of, like, relatability and shit like that. This is you the only I mean? movie I've seen effectively make a condo or apartment situation scary. Because oh, with every condo and apartment, there's only one door in, one door out. It's the same door. You can lock it. You're good. And there's a ton of people around that can hear you. But no, not mm. if they're coming through the medicine Fuck cabinet. Me. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Through the walls and shit like that in a little tunnel system, dude. Fuck that. No. That's uh, like genius. I don't know. It's super, super that. clever. Yeah. Definitely taking advantage of the environment and the location. Yeah. I can't think of any other movie that's done that. I definitely feel like there's might have been a couple after, but um, oh, I'm sure. No, I mean, it's it's very inspiring, dude. You know what I mean? Like just that amount of creativity can definitely give people, you know, future ideas to like spice up the, you know, the the trends of killing people. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm always like, trying to. Th- every horror movie, yeah. Every horror movie I watch, I'm trying to figure out what's the not the inspiration. Ho- what's the thing that they're trying to make you scared of? And I feel like we should make that oh, a segment yeah, once yeah. we figure out a word for it. But every movie has like whatever it is. Don't answer the phone. Don't do this. It's always like it that, follows. That key spook. Yeah. Don't have sex. It's like the don't do. It's playing <laughs> on the opposite of you know each movie. Yeah. Every horror. Oh, this movie. one. Honestly, dude, this one is just. Ba- w- would you say, for lack of better words, would it be? <sighs> now I'm trying to put this in a clever way. But there's two things that I'm thinking of, like right off the bat. And first of first one is fuck mirrors. <laughs> don't ever fucking look in a mirror. Don't and then second, just don't I don't want to say don't believe in urban legends, but don't go chasing them. Yeah, don't don't yeah, don't go chasing urban legends. That's a good one, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't don't fuck with that shit. Like well, when there's actually like It's perfect. It, oh god. Yeah, it's good. No, I I was just gonna say that like I mean you know, you hear someone say, yeah, Candyman five times in a mirror. Oh, yeah, and they, they died about, like, you know, a day later. I'm not going to. I'm You literally the last fucking thing on earth I will do is that shit. Like, I'm not going to fucking kill myself over saying a word in a mirror five times. Well, that's like, that's, funny that's you enough say that. evidence for me, dude. Because right <laughs> after um, Helen shows Bernadette the hole in the um, condo, they mm-hmm. both... Like close the door. Do the yeah, and they say Candyman four times yeah. and laugh about it. Well, she she does, and then Helen, the fucking they don't say it five times. 
Do they? No, but Helen does. Helen does. I thought no, I thought they say it four times and then just laugh. No, she laughs and then she says or am I am I thinking ahead? Probably. I, yeah, this Do is, they do it twice or only once? When they're together in in her apartment yeah, the first time? I only count it four times. They say it four times, then they laugh, like, and which I thought was really clever too. Like, yeah. So even mm-hmm. if you don't believe and you're laughing about it, you're still in the back of your mind, like, but I'm not going to test it. That well, yeah. And then like that's the thing. That's what I brought up, dude. It's like, okay, so is he very picky with timing? Because when you say it four times, and then because the rules are look into a mirror, say it five times, right? Yeah. That's Bloody the Mary gist. was say it. I think. Three times and spin around. Three times. You had to spin around. In the dark. Yeah, in the dark. Oh, and then you had to spin around or something like that. I I heard something like that recently. Not recently. (laughs) No, I I heard that, though, where like you spin around or some shit like that. That was the one I I would always hear. And you'd see Bloody Bloody Mary in the mirror. She was obviously all bloody. (laughs) That's all I remember. Nope. No, no, no. I'm not trying to see any kind of fucking phantasm that will most definitely not give me a fucking orgasm. <laughs> like, fuck that, dude. I'm not summoning some fucking, <laughs> some demon in my bathroom for no good goddamn reason. And they didn't either, even though, and this is interesting yeah. because Helen is totally interested in tracking down the story. She's super curious. She's super interested oh, yeah. in herb legends, which I am too. I don't know why. They fascinate me. But at the same yeah, time. No, dude, it's, it's a good way to get yourself killed, yeah. Good excuse, well, she's Jordan. trying to track down the source of it. <laughs> Not yeah. knowing it's real, but at the same time, in the back of her head doesn't want to do it. So it's weird. It's like this weird. I found it super clever uh, that the the whole sequence of events, her trying to discover if it's real or not. And it's like, it, it's not a fake out to the audience, but it's a fake out to her later on after oh, yeah. that whole. Yeah, it's Love really that. cool. <laughs> so this is when actually I, this happens right now, because right after that, they go to mm-hmm. Cabrini yeah. Union for the first time. Uh, and we're burned at... Bernadette's like, oh, thanks for making us dress like cops. <laughs> yeah, dude. And she's really like, smart. Yeah. She's like, yeah, dude, they won't fuck with us. Which, by the way, the residents of that location were actual gang members that they paid off. Yeah, because she tells her right there, like, this whole area is controlled by gangs. Yeah, no, and it, it, I found it so funny and fascinating that uh, not only did they pay them off, but they're like, dude, fuck it, do you want to cast in our film? And they're like, yeah, dude, why not? They wanted to be in it. So that, that, they had them enough, as extras, that was pretty right? dope, but also pretty scary. <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of interviews that from like tony todd bernard oh. rose them all saying like no no it was like it was dangerous but like mm-hmm. um i know when they're walking up the stairs in this part they were um they had plainclothes cops with them bernadette and helen yeah 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 just so like nothing happened. which is I mean, awesome even still though when they the paid senior. them off um in, in some interviews they actually still had like bullets like shot into like their power generators when filming and like their vans and shit for moving equipment I thought like the one in the generator was an accident. Was it an accident? That's what, um, what's her name? I That's can't, who, I can't think of the actor right now. Was it the Bernadette actress? Yeah, Casey Lemons. Casey Lemons? Okay. Well, okay, I, I don't know if it was an accident or not, but yeah, still did that. I mean, that's... She had a quote like, oh, nothing, everything went really good, but the uh, only thing that happened was someone accidentally shot a generator. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, you know... That could be an urban legend as well. Like it could be. I do know that there's a story. I'll, I'll have to find it. But like, um, in 2011, it said the last remaining high rise in the Cabrini Green housing project was demolished. Yeah, and that's not the story I wanted. Though, um, basically, you know, because they make a comment like, "Oh, there was a shooting there the other day in the movie." 
Mm-hmm. A kid got shot there. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And on October 13th, 92, like right before the film released, a real-life resident named Dantrell Davis was killed by a stray bullet oh. while walking to school. And the shooter was Fuck. a local gang member, Anthony Garrett, who mm-hmm. was trying to kill someone else, like a rival. And yeah. Garrett was convicted of first-degree murder and got a 100-year sentence. Mm-hmm. So that like, God, that happened yeah, right yeah. as the film was getting released. That Dude, that's haunting. Because there's definitely other films, too, that have like really fucked up like coincidences and shit. Well, but that's just like dangerous ass area for them to be yeah, in it's crazy no, dude, yeah there. that's that's fucked up i mean and, and it's funny too because a couple of other films that uh shooting uh i guess like shooting schedules and just plans and shit they they film in very dangerous areas but you get like the most unique and like characterized shots from there but Seriously. you're really putting your like life at risk so that kind of begs the question like are these shots worth it they're so and good I mean, yeah. Good thing they all live. about to say it was worth it. You but. can't fake that stuff. Like it looks so good. Oh, it yeah. looks real because it is real. Well, and it's funny too because they they only shot in uh, Cambrian for three days. Cabrini, it was only a three day uh, shoot. So they only did um, you know the exterior shots like the oh now now I forgot the what is, what is it called not opening shot but when like you're getting aerial? a shot what the aerial shot not aerial shot it, it's like um when when you show the location and then you cut like to an actual shots. scene in that location establishing shots yes thank you thank you they had uh outside establishing shots fuck dude and I, and I was the one that took fucking film class and I forgot fuck but they did like outside establishment shots the fire pit and literally just walking up the stairwell and then everything else was um studio okay then. for the most part for filming i figured that part I mean, was because i'm like nowhere has mm-hmm. that much graffiti <laughs> unless it's like a completely yeah. vacant lot <laughs> but still it's it's great though they really killed it with that it's yeah no i mean because it, it just goes to show dude when you have just three days of like a real fucking area it can really just help fucking boast the like quality and the believability of like your studio um your your sets, your studio and sets. That, you know I, I mean? think it influences the actors too because they have to, uh, you know, they're starting to embody like that fear or even when they leave yeah. to go back to the actual studio, you know, they still can like now mentally use that. It's that atmospheric like tension that like compels people to act a certain way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or why the fuck? I, dude, I say that a lot. That's like a tick. What? <laughs> I always say, you know what I mean? Nah, I mean. I'm I'm just catching myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I was about to say um well, actually I'll, I'll wait until the the scene where he shows up. But I guess going back from when they went to the building, dressed up as cops to go explore um the rest of the building, they meet up with the little jump scare dog. And then finally we get introduced to the mother. What was her name again? The mother? It was... Uh, Amory. Amory, yeah, Amory. Thank you. And so I think we... Do we see her before they look at the medicine cabinet? Or is that afterwards when they're leaving and Helen comes inside to talk to Amory? Yeah, I think that's how it works. That that was after? Yeah, and so... After they kind of find out that, you know, the medicine cabinet was just basically a tunnel way to where they can... Well, she was testing her theory. She's like, if that worked in my apartment, then it's going to work here. And it did. Mm -hmm. It was two abandoned apartments. 
into Ruthie Jean. They go through Ruthie yeah, Jean, the girl who's killed. They go, mm-hmm. they open the medicine cabinet, and yep, it's in another apartment. And then when mm-hmm. they're leaving, that Ruthie Jean's neighbor was Anne Marie. Yeah, yeah. And they go in. They bond over Anthony, a little baby, little guy, for a little bit. And then they go into talking about the origin of Candyman. Yeah, well, right. I th- not only did she kill him, but there's a lot of commentary in there too. Where she's like, basically, because there's this really interesting dynamic the whole time with this movie, where Bernadette mm-hmm. keeps being like, wants her to basically be cautious, doesn't even want to do it initially, but then yeah. gets her on board, and she's like, she's kind of like the reality check. Yeah, she knows like what yeah. she's dealing with. That's the interesting part is like, mm-hmm. she has the experience, so she knows like the legitimate dangers. While Helen is like super brash confident about it because she's like oh no one will no one's gonna hurt me and i think that was a really interesting dynamic and it was mm-hmm. intentional oh yeah no 100 percent. i mean because she was pretty much the driving force of the plot you know she was the overly zealous um like almost investigator you know she really wanted to crack down on this whole urban legend but and, she's like, so understand it just to show up and be like oh no we don't need protection or anything yeah. we can just show up yeah we're, we're fine dude. a place that's literally gangs the yeah. only good part actually was that they did think they were cops it reminded me a lot of the wire where they're like all yelling up like mm-hmm. go five oh like yelling yeah. up that they're cops no, that, that was dope and i think a couple of their lines were adr too um the actual uh, gang members that cast it in oh really yeah, so I think that actually alone was 80 yard. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, no, because I think uh, something, I, I read up on a very specific fact where they're, perf- I mean, because obviously they're, they're not actors. Uh, so a lot of their lines, they, they kind of had like a hard a hard time kind of... Uh, Delivering them? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, a good way of putting it, delivering the lines properly, because it would kind of just be really weird, out of tone. But, um, I think only the the, the shout out, the wire, um, was ADR. Everything else was actually utilized from the actual shooting, uh, from the actual scene. Okay. But it was so weird finding that like one random fact, because I was curious, like, why, like, why, why do they have to ADR it? Um, and it was it was just pretty bad. Like they had to do that shot a couple of times. Oh, uh, okay. And when they were when they were just like fuck it, dude, just, just keep the scene, but just ADR it. Yeah, and then also like this is what Anne Marie is also saying all that to tell him. Like basically, anytime white people want to come in here, they cause problems. Like she's basically saying that like, oh, what we're all we're all I mean, on bro, drugs, she's not wrong, dude. We're all gang bangers. Like what? Mm-hmm. So she's like, that's all the commentary that's like in your face. She's like, I'm just trying to oh yeah raise my son. Basically, that's it. Yeah. And that's actually right before that. Her too is where we first see the graffiti for the sweets to the sweet. That like mm-hmm. it's kind of become yeah. iconic in Candyman lore, which I never understood what that meant. But I guess it's a line. Sweets from, to the sweet. Yeah, it's, it's a line from Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't know that? No, I had no idea what it was. Oh, damn, <laughs> it's okay. from Hamlet, I guess. I yeah. Read that probably no, I mean, I school. I only knew that because literature class. Uh, reading that it's funny it's so weird reading Shakespeare and like actually reading quote for quote you know quotes that movies used and so when you would only hear it from a movie first and then reading it through Shakespeare you're like holy fuck like it's such a silly thing to think about but you never really think like oh damn dude like the directors read this like they they were inspired to throw that in their movie oh Bernard Rose definitely is he's like oh yeah dude and Hamlet's a really like like it's really not overused, but it's a really well known piece of material to use for like pr- 
prolific or just kind of like any kind of movie with a message. Hamlet is like a really good catalyst for like quotes and shit like that. And Candyman. <laughs> yeah, I oh, guess yeah. Candyman. The Groin de Gullet one is another reference to Shakespeare from Macbeth from mm-hmm. Knave to Chaps. So I was like, oh, yeah. I would have never knew that. Because I was, I didn't. Some of those word choices are so specific. I'm like, why do they choose that? Mm-hmm. Like, groin to gullet. That is weird. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I hear words like that, I just think, bro, it's Shakespeare. Like, yeah. It just has to be, you know. That's the safe <laughs> bit. And after yeah, that, seeing all those interviews with uh, Bernard Rose, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's a literature head. Um. So yeah, we talked to. Um. Uh, sorry, Anne Marie. Yeah, yeah, no. So, like, after that whole kind of, like, exposition with Candyman, um, we go into, you know, after his backstory, Helen goes uh, home, uh, or she tries to go home, and then she actually wants to go investigate, I think, another recent um, crime scene that occurs in that area, and so she goes to the restrooms um, near the pavilion, and I could be getting this wrong, I'm actually kind of getting a little bit... Oh, in the mind, when they meet, but, um, uh, that's actually the first scene we see with a whole, well, not the first scene actually, but it's the scene that we see with a whole shit ton of bees, uh, and a lot of feces, I assume, uh, in the of, bathroom. like scattered across the walls and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. We had just, I mean, that's when you meet, uh, Dewan Jake, the little kid who killed it. That was oh, his first. I completely free. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's go back a couple steps there. Shit. But yeah, no, I mean, that's that's where we're at, but that is a, an amazing... Yeah. I love that little kid, dude. He was so cool. <laughs> I, I will say, just to back up, too, that's where we saw, first yeah. saw the um, razor blades in the candy, too, was in that, uh, like... Yeah, that abandoned apartment. Yeah. They go through the tunnel. Which is another like, example yeah. of, like, the real the realistic aspect of Bernadette being like, hey, don't go in there, not because she's worried about Candyman. She's like, that could be a gang like stash house and like you're gonna get yourself oh, killed yeah. <laughs> still <laughs> goes in i'm like oh jeez, that's like yeah, such a, just... a white stereotype in horror movies i feel like what? Uh, what of that? like the oh th- you're gonna go investigate it anyway cool okay oh yeah no dude, <laughs> fuck, you okay go get yourself out. killed cool yeah go go ahead <laughs> fucking sheep dude i'll tell you what but yeah lambs to the slaughter that's nope dewan jake uh he killed it yeah, cute little guy. Um, I can't. I know that's when they go back to meet Amory again, because before, before uh, I know they do talk to Amory about the um, Ruthie Jean, because she had like heard her screaming through the walls and stuff. Yeah, talking about the actual like night of the murder. Yeah, and she also says it's just it matches the maid story that. Uh, and actually, with all the other legends, you know, we don't have anything to verify, but hers actually matches the mm-hmm. maid story in the beginning when she tells about Ruthie Jean and that they kept dialing 911 and they wouldn't come. And she also confirms confirms that, which is another commentary about, like, yeah. And no one's coming to the projects when they dial 911, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, if that wouldn't have been a more blatantly, you know, direct commentary. And it's almost like, like j- just alone. she kind of knows... That it's the real Candyman, not the other one we're about to meet, because she says they ain't never gonna yeah. catch him. Mm-hmm. So I was, wondering. and I, and it's so weird because I wouldn't want this film directed in any other way, but I feel like definitely it, it plays on, 
the whole is he real or is he just you know a living person like is this just a legend and like they have like a little bit of a fake out um oh, in yeah. the movie but it doesn't like feel like a direct fake out to the audience you know what i mean it's just a fake out for helen yeah we don't even know yet i mean we find out very soon but we really don't and that's why i thought it was genius too doing that but we did have like right after that before they go back they have the um the dinner with Purcell yeah. and Trevor. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this. I shouldn't do this, but I, feel, I think Purcell is Bernard Rose. I think he's the director of the movie who's acting as the other professor. Yeah, the other professor that's actually already covered a story. I could be Candyman. completely wrong, but I feel like it is. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to put any sense down in that because I, I want to believe you. Yeah. I'm not, we're, we're just going to say, yeah. <laughs> it might have been <laughs> may, may, maybe but he's the one he says like you know he's kind of talking down to him like but i already did a paper on that 10 years ago yeah, he's like, yeah dude come on bro actually from the intro when he's laughing at him um uh, mm. and that's when you actually get the lore that the legend first okay. appeared in 1890 uh candy man was the son of a slave his father was uh you know very wealthy and he designed a device for the mass production of shoes after the civil war and Candyman had been sent to all the best schools. He grew up in public society, like polite society, and he was a talented artist, and he was like super sought after by rich people for portraits, and he was commissioned by a wealthy landowner to um, capture his his daughter's virginal beauty. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And then you got the classic, fell in love, she got pregnant, and then the father took revenge and paid a bunch of pretty fucking pissed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, paid all these like hooligans to do the deed. They took him through the town to Cabrini Green, and they sawed off his right hand with a rusty blade. No one came to help him. And then they there was an apiary that just happened to be nearby filled with, it sounds like he says hangry bees, but I think yeah. this is British saying hangry. <laughs> hangry bee. Yeah, probably. Bee. It's just a, it's a British thing, dude. Hangry. Hangry bees. <laughs> yes. With his chipped teeth and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, not not to call out any British people specifically, but I, I'm just going based off Dude, the facts, yo, man. Yeah, be around you, you're swatting around. <laughs> Dude, Candyman. Fu- well, we fucking said Candyman like about a good times. fucking... Nah, the cool down <laughs> went off. A couple of times. Did it though? I don't know, dude. I'm I'm saying there's a cool down, and that's lore. And like, does a camera count as a mirror? Like if I'm looking at myself through the camera, does that count as a mirror? There is a mirror in a camera. All right, Jordan, I'll I'll catch you around. This is my last episode, guys. It's been real. So these hangry bees, there's a dozen hives. (laughs) They smashed the hives and stole the honeycomb and put it all over his prone naked body, which seems kind of sexual, Mm. actually. Um, He was... It's 1899, dude. 1899? I think so, yeah. 1890. Uh, You know what? Let's just chalk it up. 1895, bro. I'm pretty sure it's 1890, but hey, you do. Yeah, you, you know what? A little bit of a retcon. I did forget that. Like the death was actually stinging by bees. That was the yeah. Y- you would think that after being beaten to near death with your fucking right arm sawed off with a rusty uh, was it a rusty blade or just a rusty saw? A rusty blade it was a rusty blade. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's probably no serration to that. Just fucking wailing at it, chopping. So, you know, alone, the shock would fucking kill most people, 
you know, losing a lot of blood. But I think he was already like near death, and then the bees were just like his fucking burial. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, if he, that wasn't enough, then they burned his body over a pyre and spread his ashes over Cabrini Green. But yeah, some you know what's funny though? Like, that. that's totally sounds like a Clyde Barker story. Like having the bees involved because I know the original mm-hmm. killer does of Candyman who has the hook and the hook I get why you would translate it I think it was really ballsy to include the bees part in this movie but it makes it so interesting and unique compared to like every horror movie that there's just this bees and it's not like kind of said like it's a huge part of it are the bees oh, I got a lot yeah. of bee facts at some point <laughs> <laughs> I, you know it, it's crazy too because I really can't imagine Candyman without the bees yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just so staple to his character like I it, I think it does it has a really good play on you know sweets and stuff like that and how bees with honey they're attracted to like sugar and stuff like that. I think yeah. it throws in another thing of what to be scared yeah. of from this movie, not just medicine cabinets, but bees. Like if you're scared of bees, bees this movie yeah, sucks. Yeah, dude. If you're fucking like if you have a phobia for insects or some shit, like you will be fucked by this movie. And of course, I fucking hated insects when I was younger too. So seeing like thousands of fucking bees like in one fucking film yeah. noped me the fuck or out. Or even seeing a bee like, "Oh, is Candyman around?" I think of it from a perspective as like seeing it as a kid, you Yeah. Know? Like, oh, there's three. Yeah, no, here. you get those signs and shit, and you're like, oh fuck, did I say five times too fast? Yeah, Damn, yeah, we really no, need dude, to say I mean, for this. You know, they used two hundred, like about over two hundred thousand bees for this entire film. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a fuck ton of bees. I like. I don't even know how you can, <laughs> how you can just ranch that many bees. I mean, granted, they're they're tiny little guys. They're they're. They repopulate pretty fucking fast, but still, I mean... It's crazy. 200,000? When you watch this movie and know it's all practical, all those bees are real... It yeah, they, really they killed a guy in 1892. They they actually <laughs> lobbed off his right arm and shit, burned him alive. That's dedication, dude. They, <laughs> yeah. they spent 100 years in the making That's of this commitment. film. It is commitment, dude. But seriously, how crazy is that? Like, Man, <laughs> I have so much respect for this movie because of that. It's all practical, and part of it was just budget, really. I mean, obviously, they didn't have, like, crazy CGI or anything, but... Yeah. No, I mean... They had budgeting. That's why they, like, literally, the director mm-hmm. told them, we're going, like, all practical on this. Oh, dude. As you should. I mean, again, like we said earlier, like, the, this film, if you were to change even the most minute detail, you would really jeopardize the quality of this movie. I don't want you know to I mean? uh, even talk about the new movie, but I will say... You notice the difference with the bees. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. Just yeah, that alone. We're going to leave it at that. Man. So do you want bee facts now or later? <sighs> Fourth episode. Oh. We're gonna, I'm going to well, write no, down I'm giving you the bee facts from this movie. Now I'm saying, do you want it at the end of the episode? Oh, these bee facts. Yeah. Go go hit me with some bee facts. I thought okay. you were going to talk about CGI bee facts. Oh, no, like, no. We'll, we'll wait on that. <laughs> the honeybees were controlled by Norman Gary, who previously handled bees yes. on films such as The Deadly Bees, My Girl, and Fried Green Tomatoes. Very appropriate uh, casting option. You know, seeing his you know repertoire of bee handling beforehand. I mean, if you're to get any guy with bees, like, yeah. <laughs> that dude is your guy. Someone right now who's like, you know, is into bees is like, dude, they got him. No wonder why this movie's so good. They're like, that's another component. Like, oh my God. That's like the Philip Glass of bees. Holy fuck, dude. 
Uh, the bees were bred specifically for this movie. They needed to make sure that the bees were only 12 hours old so that they looked like yeah. mature bees, but their stinger wouldn't be powerful enough to do any real damage. Um, yeah. You got some bee facts? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> in, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I mean, I'm guessing you've already watched the movie. In some of the scenes when Candyman is spitting straight fucking bees, uh, that was specifically the younger bees that they used. Um, they would have a plastic kind of like... A protector in his mouth. It was a as, dental dam. Yeah, and it took like about um, I think an hour and a half to two hours filling all the bees in his mouth. I know it was a long time. Like to for take that one, it was a long time because he had to wait. And then uh, Tony Todd even said that um, just letting all the bees out of his mouth was like a fucking trance in itself. It was crazy. Just waiting for so long with all those bees, and like you want to go into a. Uh, the promise he got on set. Oh no, do it for no. I mean, I'll, I'll let you do it because you told me. I, I'd feel like I'd be hijacking your oh, facts. Well, yeah, that yeah. was before we did it. Just because I knew that was a famous part of this movie was that because mm-hmm. Tony Todd sent it a bunch of interviews. And the funny part is that like, um, the number changes depending on the source, but like, <laughs> basically, to do this, he said he had a good lawyer, and the lawyer basically. Hooked it up with the director where he was going to get a $1,000 bonus for every bee stung he got. And he got stung anywhere from, depending on how he tells it, twenty-three to $26,000. So 23 to 26 times, which translates to 23000 to $26,000. Got a little bonus. All those times you, he got stung. Would you stung. take that offer? If you're playing Candyman, would you, would you take those bee stings for $1,000 each? Probably, but that's assuming I, I'm like an actor that really wants my break if I was already established. I think Tony Todd was probably just hungry. Like this was definitely his biggest movie, you know, to date. So he was he was hungry. He this was his uh Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. You know, said in his own words, yeah, he when he saw this film, he definitely wanted to create that type of Phantom of the Opera for his career and definitely Candyman is it has the a one for sure. I think yeah. Um, so more I guess getting back frame by frame, <laughs> real quick, I you know take a little bit of a, uh, well diverge cr- from well, defects. Unless you oh, got yeah. a couple more. Oh, I definitely got more beefer. Oh, sure. okay, all right, Jordan, spit, dude. I'll give I'm you sorry, one more. Bro. I'll wait on the rest. Um, so Virginia Madsen, <laughs> Helen, um, she had to get obviously really close to the oh, bees too. Yes, and it literally only almost made her pass on the role because when Bernard Rose, the director asked to do the role she said i can't i'm allergic to bees and he said no you're not allergic to bees you're just afraid so she had to actually go to ucla and get tested because he didn't believe her and she was tested for every kind of venom and she was far more allergic to wasps actually so he said oh we'll Mm. just have paramedics there it'll be fine oh my god (laughs) she's like you know we were actors so we'll do anything for a paycheck and um they had you know dedication dude Jesus. Yeah, and so she's pr- I, thought her whole life that she's super allergic to bees, and mm. is somewhat slightly. And the wrangler was like, "All right, you can't freak out around the bees, or be nervous, or swat at them. It'll just aggravate them." Which yeah, I mean that's strange. how you have to treat most insects. Just as much as you want to just fucking innately smack the shit out of them, get them out of your face. Like sure. you cannot do that because like bees, especially, dude, they they fucking gang up on you. They said they used like, baby bees on her. I don't know if these were even babier than the twelve-hour-old ones. I think they were, yeah, <laughs> because they definitely didn't want to risk her getting stung. Um, but I think she only got stung. Like, was she stung on this? Because I, I swear, oh. I thought I read that she was only stung two to three times. 
Um, well, she didn't have to deal with the bees as much as him. She really just has that one. Scene. Oh yeah. Um, she was said how they basically have fur on them, and they felt like like little Q-tips on you, which yeah, feel real weird. And then they have these like pheromones on you, so like it, they're like so they're attracted, yeah, like land on you like and just walk queen. around, yeah, yeah, and. Now I can then, only imagine the process of getting those off. Yeah. dude. what was that like? So, but that's like I guess they have that this uh, little bee vacuum that like <laughs> harmlessly sucks them up. Yeah, that sounds so cute. Is a little bee vacuum? That must be rough. I mean, the quote I have from her is like, "It was cool though. I felt like a total badass doing it." But I can't imagine like just sitting there for forty five minutes. The scene's done. You just want to be done. Mm-hmm. Get all the bees off, and you have to just sit there for forty five minutes while they're taking bees off of you. And you're feeling because you also got to think too, dude. Like during the scenes, you definitely want to do like double takes and shit. Like if you have one really good take, you still have to do another one. You know what I mean for that security. So there's definitely probably more than like a handful of like cuts that or shots that they had to do. Well, hopefully they are acting at their best (laughs) in that case. Oh well, yeah. That that's definitely motivation to say the fucking least, dude. About (laughs) serious. You know, don't fuck up the shot, dude. Okay, so where were we in the frame by frame? We were going over the, uh, oh, the story. Yeah, so do you want to just go straight to where Helen is investigating the bathroom? And I actually, I'm drawing a blank of why she was compelled to check it out. Was that like the most recent um, Candyman activity there? Or why did she go to check it out? It's all over that Anne Marie story. Oh, that's what she's been investigating this whole time with the newspaper. And that's why she goes to Cabrini Green, goes to her apartment. And finds the cabinet, meets the neighbor. Now she goes back to see the neighbor after hearing the story from the dinner party. The neighbor's not there, mm-hmm. but that's when we meet um, Dewan. I'm forgetting his last name. Is it Green? But uh, he's a little kid. Let's ca- we'll call him. We'll call him Little D. And like I said, f- first movie um, kills it, and he says he knows where Candyman is, and that's when we go to the bathroom. And she tells him to wait outside. All right, there you go. I knew I had like a mental blank with that whole scene i'll be real well she tells him the story Mm -hmm. as they're going there that um she like because someone died in the bathroom basically yeah and his friend like chris told him that's where candy man is and a boy died in there um i think his friend oh no charles was his friend it doesn't matter though (laughs) um yeah (laughs) But still, yeah. still dead. Charles told dead him that the, this boy was weird, and she's like, "This is this one aged out." She's like, "Oh, like weird," and he's like, "Yeah, retard." <laughs> and him and his mom, this little kid, were in the store. His mom was mm-hmm. checking out, and he like went across the street, was waiting for her. She was taking too long, and the mom hears a big, like, uh, hears a kid screaming or something, and they send this big tough yeah. guy into the bathroom. And like within seconds, I guess the big tough guy was like shaking and crying. And this, this same thing happens where his hair turned white, which we also heard from the story with Billy in the beginning. Like, oh, his hair instantly turned yeah. white. And so you see these reoccurring themes with these stories that get passed along. Mm-hmm. And people are making up their own urban legends, basically, from these stories that are happening in the ghetto and making yeah. them their own. And the boy was basically lying in a pool of blood. And... Here's one thing I think it they said Jake the little kid says they found it floating in the toilet. Do you remember that? You know, 
No. Okay. So yeah, he says <laughs> they, they found it floating. They found it. He, they, he didn't even say like it, like or pause or anything. He said they found it floating mm-hmm. in the toilet, and they show the toilet, but they don't show like what's in it. They just kind of show it over there. And Jake goes, "Can't fix that." I'm thinking they're talking about the little kid's dick. That's what I got from it. I was, and I never uh, noticed that till this time. Said they found it floating because he was lying in the pool of blood. And they say they found it floating yeah. in the. And they don't show you know, what's in the toilet, probably because of that. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to get an extended cut of that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get get a full detail on that. I did not. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that. I I just kind of literally, like, zoned out right before like you know the main conflict that happened in the bathroom right as she's walking in. But yeah, I, you know, <laughs> with <laughs> with evidence like that, I mean, I guess you can only really assume it's. Little little pee pee, little dick. <laughs> you got to. I damn. You know what? Uh, this movie is really for all ages. You got child death, child dick, <laughs> adult dick. Okay, so minus the dick part, <laughs> Jake's still outside because she had him like stay outside while she's in the bathroom, and we just see like a figure walk up behind him. We just see like a black leather jacket, and the little boy Jake goes, Candyman. <laughs> so this is that fake out you're talking about. Like we actually, yeah, still, we think we're about to see Candyman. Well, because I'd also think too, like uh, the poster for this movie. Did it show Candyman? I don't think so. They did good with that. Okay, because then maybe even for the audience, yeah. Well, no, because I think we saw what he looked like though in the beginning scene, right? No. Oh, did we not? Oh, yeah, no. she just ended up dead. Okay, shit. So we wow, okay. we think we're about to see him, and it's the leather jacket. Yeah. So. You know, if you got this firsthand, he's got a hook Long coat. Mm-hmm. in his hand. He walks in. He's got two, like, goons with him on each side. And he's like, that's the clip where yeah. I heard you're looking for candy, man, bitch. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> well, you found Dude, me. what a fucking one-liner. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Knocked her fucking ass out. <laughs> got her with that one. Yeah, and then knocked her out with the hook. <laughs> yeah, dude, fucking brutalized her almost. That fucking this- gnarly bruise kind of made me wince a little bit. I was like, ugh. From this moment, actually, we're almost there. I won't say it just yet, but right. yeah, basically, yeah. the dude, um, she wakes up like in a police station, and we meet like the this main detective dude and has her do a police lineup and says, uh, like she picks him out that he's the candy man. And she he basically tells her, like, they've been looking for this dude, um, for this a whole while, time. like, they know who he is, mm-hmm. um but that she's lucky to be alive because they couldn't find anybody willing to testify. Um, like all the, you know, similar to like the wire, like all the Cabrini green residents protect him and no one wants to testify against him. So they don't want to get killed. Um, so they don't actually need Jake to testify. They can just use Helen. Um, and they're putting like, he's a gang overlord guy and they're, they're going to basically put the murders on him of Ruthie Jean and that little boy. Uh, and she actually goes outside right after that little interview with the detective, talks to Jake, the little kid, and basically tells him, like, Candyman isn't real. And he kind of believes. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, Candyman is real? Yeah, he's like, what? Oh, shit. Okay. She's like, yeah, it's just a person. Yeah, like, she's relax, like, it's like dude. Dracula. <laughs> Which is uh, interesting because do you think that Jake thought that was who Candyman was? I I like to think that he didn't. Like, Oh, really? I like to think the wait Jake. Yeah, the little kid. Oh wait, his name's Jake. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, f- I, dude, you said the actor's name, and I genuinely thought that Dwayne. that was the actual character's name. No, no, his name's Jake. Oh, okay. Wow, dude, I'm a fucking clown. Anyways, getting back on point. Yeah, I don't. I kind of like to think that he like. I'm pretty sure he thought what he saw was the Candyman he imagined. Yeah, I could see. You know that. what I mean? Because he had and, the like hook. he believed in like the fairy tales or like the urban legends. You know what I mean? So he but, just thought like, oh fuck, like he's here. He seems connected to Cabrini Green. Like probably knows a lot of people. He seems like he's kind of always around. So yeah. I, I have a hard time believing though that he doesn't know who that guy is. If this guy's like one of the overlords of this area. Yeah, I, I think, well, because I'm pretty sure, I mean, at one point, they, they talk about, you know, what he looks like, you know, a hook for a hand with a coat, uh, so I'm pretty sure he probably just put two and two together through his perspective, you know what I mean? But this guy like, is going around, I think, calling himself Killing Candyman. people. Or do you oh, think, he, that's where I'm confused with, because, like, this guy- Oh, you know, yeah, you bring up a good point, yeah, dude, because, like, they, they claim that he's calling himself Candyman, and, like, he's killing these people, because they're trying to find he? murders, but that- in itself, I kind of thought that that dude was clout chasing the name Candyman to get like a reputation. Well, that's but what like I'm the saying. murders weren't his. That's what I you're know saying? the murders weren't him because we yeah. know that. Well, later I mean, on. yeah, we see the the movie is kind of leading you to believe though believe that, like, that that he is, but we obviously know he's he's not. But mm-hmm. is he is that his like basically persona? Is that he's Candyman? Or on my last viewing, I actually think. It's not his persona, and he was just messing with their, like, trying to get this white lady who's all up in everyone's business out of the hood because they come out of the bathroom, him and his friends, and they're laughing. Yeah. So it's almost like they're just messing with her, trying to get her out of there. But then why would Jake think he's Candyman? Maybe he's just never seen this guy, and he's dressed up as Candyman. Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, because if the guy's dressed in the part, and the only thing that Jake knows is that the stories alone, I'm pretty sure he probably put two and two together. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. I will have to like go with the fact that Jake just hasn't seen this guy before, or didn't recognize him, and is going based off the stories, wait, that's Candyman. But the guy obviously yeah. isn't Candyman. Um, mm-hmm. We still don't know that in the movie yet. And I don't think he has been pretending to be Candyman. I think he just did that to get her out of there. Fuck with her. Yeah, I don't know. When I saw it, I, I definitely thought that he was like clout chasing sort of deal. Like he took the urban legend and just kind of tried manifesting that to his persona, so that way he'd just get more respect. Yeah, but that you know, like, because I'm pretty sure the guys were all dressed up in the same colors as the people we see out in the front of the uh, building, right? I don't know. I the didn't see complex? the. I didn't see the colors. I don't remember what the other. Guys I don't were. remember. I thought they were the same colors, like blue and purple. But if they weren't the same colors, then I'll probably just go with what you were thinking. I mean, it's still an interesting little piece that they've concept added to here. think about. Yeah, because like it's, it's a smart really, fake out. Yeah, and it's really making yeah. you question. You still don't know in the movie. If you've never seen this before, you have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on. And they're basically telling you about forty minutes in right now that this that's the Candyman, um, and that's it. But this right after this, this is where I say the movie just yeah. goes bonkers after this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, shit fucking hits the fan. Yeah, so pretty sh- fucking fast.